Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. Agriculture is Saskatchewan, and 620-CKRM is your source for everything ag. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Here's your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. It's brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op, offering fuel, food, and drinks on Highway 13. Arcola Co-op, you're at home here. Today we have our usual Friday look at what happened in grain markets this week. Wheat and canola were again on the rise for the week. We have a look at efforts to eliminate food waste and hunger at the same time. Real agriculture looks at farm trade in a world marketplace. We take a look at skyrocketing milling oat prices and a Thanksgiving feature on cooking turkey. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, helping growers contract any type of grain. Call one 800 324 7778. And Mazink Fuels, your local branded Petro Canada wholesaler for over 40 years. Fill up the tank, call Mazank 306 721 6667. Grain prices were on the rise again this week. Commodity Futures Advisor at PI Financial, Adam Pacallo, says canola is up $24 per metric ton this week, while spring wheat has jumped 14 cents a bushel at Minneapolis. Well, Jim, starting off on the canola front, November canola increased approximately $24 a ton where we are right now here on the day. And one thing to note is that traders will start looking at the January contract uh, pretty soon here with the November expiring in a few weeks. So that's one thing to note. It's already starting to see a bit of more volume on the January contract than the November. And then on Minneapolis wheat, the December contract increased approximately 14 cents a bushel here and putting in actually new contract highs here on the day. So what's pushing up canola and wheat wheat to record levels? Well, starting off on the canola front, uh, really it's been kind of the soy markets that and uh, vegetable oils that have been really showing a lot of strength. Palm oil actually surged approximately 10% this week to new all-time highs. So that has really helped canola move higher. And that's due to a few things. One definitely being a, a jump in energy prices. WTI oil is, is nearing that $80 mark again here today, sitting at about $79.80 here on the futures. So kind of supporting all of those, the kind of the markets generally related to that. Stockpiles 
at the end of August for palm oil fell to 3.43 million tons from 4.55 million tons in July. And that was kind of the main reason why, why palm oil saw such a surge here. So that is definitely supportive for canola. However, one thing to note is the Canadian dollar. The Canadian dollar, because of, again, seeing energy jump the way that it is, the Canadian dollar today is over that 80 cent level, up over half a cent here today. I have that 80 cents as resistance, so that uh, will be something to watch uh, going forward here. What's pushing wheat prices up? On the wheat side of things, there's kind of a few different reasons. I I believe really purely on the technical side of things that we are seeing more support here. Minneapolis wheat relative to Kansas and Chicago has been actually heading higher here on the week. I think the inflation side of everybody's minds is kind of coming into play uh, when it comes to food in general. I also did read that fears that Russia uh, will eventually limit exports as a way to fight their inflation could actually come as a result. So again, kind of pushing up some of the wheat contracts here. And then that's kind of, I would say, something to watch for next week from a technical standpoint. And so the outlook next week and beyond? Well, main thing that traders are going to be watching for next week is the supply demand report from the USDA on Tuesday. So as I always say to clients, it's a bit of a coin flip to see what could actually come out. But when it comes kind of down to it, for wheat at least, U.S. ending stocks are expected to be around 576 million bushels as compared to 615 million bushels in the September report, so actually getting lowered as well as world-ending stocks are expected to decline about 3 million tons of wheat. So again, if that kind of those numbers trend uh, lower, you know, that could support wheat to go forward. And then I would say for the canola front, definitely watching those soybean yield numbers from kind of the USDA, they are expected to possibly increase. So that's something that maybe could kind of cap canola here in the short term. But again, that's something that nobody knows. Adam Piccolo is a Commodity Futures Advisor with PI Financial. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch eavesdrops. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavesdrops.ca and Farmtronics in Regina, your farm electronics specialists. From moisture testers to security cameras, keeping your farm running productively and efficiently since 1977. 380 Henderson Drive. A group organized to eliminate food waste and hunger in Canada has some sober figures as we see the wrap-up of harvest and the Thanksgiving long weekend. An organization called Second Harvest released some startling findings when it comes to the growing problem of food insecurity in Canada. Second Harvest works to rescue food that would otherwise end up in landfill. The study focused on what's referred to as Canada's invisible food network, those groups and organizations that are providing food to Canadians who are struggling to feed themselves and their families. This is Executive Director Lori Nickel. During our year-long study, we discovered that there are more than 61,000 61,000 community organizations providing food. It's a shocking number, especially when you consider there are only around 15,000 grocery stores. And that includes 
everything from your big box stores to your local grocer. To put this into perspective, it means there are four times more food charities in Canada than there are grocery stores. For every Loblaws, Metro, Safeway, or Northern store in your community, there are, on average, for churches, temples, mosques, senior centers, schools, community centers, shelters, food banks, meal programs, food backpack programs, and other social services providing food for people who often just do not have the means to buy what they need. About 3,600 of these are in Canada's food bank network. That leaves over 57,000 charities and nonprofits providing food that most people walk past every day without ever knowing how important they are to their communities. Lori Nichols says it's not surprising the impact of 18 months of COVID has been devastating on many Canadian families, many of which had never experienced food insecurity until now. As you might expect, the rate of people experiencing food insecurity has increased. Unemployment, underemployment, and business closures mean families have less money to purchase groceries and food inflation continues to rise. The total number of people served at charitable food organizations spiked by 72%. With almost 6.7 million Canadians served during COVID. And for a myriad of reasons, including a significant drop in volunteer support, the operations of charitable food organizations have become more challenging. Thankfully, public and private donors have truly stepped up, increasing the amount of food and funding available to the nonprofit sector, and it did reduce the shortfall. Yet still, it's not enough to meet the crushing demand. That's Lori Nickel with Second Harvest, outlining results of a year-long study on food insecurity in Canada and the volunteer organizations trying to change that. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Sean Haney here with RealAgriculture.com and Real Ag Radio. I am joined right now by Dr. Jason Lusk of Purdue University. Great blog post uh, you posted at JasonLusk.com entitled Trade and Resilience. There's a lot of discussion right now about, you know, we need to make sure that we're we're creating local food systems. We need to make sure that we take care of food insecurity domestically. Oh, but also, what about trade and, and exports? And, and, and so I, I guess some people are posing this as kind of an either-or scenario. It, it doesn't have to be that way, does it? No, and in, in fact, I think when we think about the concept of vulnerability, really what we're talking about, there probably shouldn't be either-or. Um, and, um, you know, this wasn't something necessarily that, that was on the top of my mind, but just, you know, over the course of the past two or three months after, you know, just 
journalist after journalist or person after person asking me questions related to this. Like, well, isn't part of the problem that we're experiencing now the fact that we're too reliant on the you know globalized food system? Um, and I always wanted you know was pushing back on that a little bit. Nobody would actually report on that piece of it, so I thought, well, I'll just write a blog post <laughs> and put my thoughts down there, so maybe somebody will read it. You give an interesting example in the blog post, uh, and, and I would like you to kind of go through that example about, you know, imagine a small community, and you call them Isolationville. Can you talk about that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was uh, maybe being a little provocative there there and calling them Isolationville, but, but so I'm just trying to think about, you know, how do we articulate, you know, what trade does for us, and, and how it might actually, maybe contrary to people's intuitions, actually be a buffer against uh, supply chain shocks. And so, so sometimes, you know, to think through these things, it's useful to, to take some extreme examples. So let, let's take this example of Isolationville. It's a small community. Um, they don't import any food. Everything that the community eats, they grow locally. And um, so let's ask the question, how resilient is that local community? Well, in my mind, they're probably not very resilient in large part um, because agriculture is subject to, you know, to, to weather events. And so, you, you know, you get a drought, uh, you get a flood, you get a tornado, whatever, you know, that can put a, if you get a bad year, it can cause a real dent in that local production. And in that community, that's Isolationville, can find themselves in a, in a world of hurt. So they're, they're much more prone to the vagaries of, of weather shocks and randomness that could happen and you might think, well, they'd be fine. They just go over to their neighbors uh, for some help in the neighboring town over. Well, the problem is if they've been doing this year after year, their neighbors aren't counting on them. They haven't planned for selling food to them. And so there's not that sort of excess supply in the system that would exist if, if we had a healthier body of trade. Um, and so I think, you know, when I think about it in that way, when I, when I think about trade, what I think about is uh, the fact that uh, we're less, if we, if, you know, if I contrast that Isolationville to maybe a city that's more, um, um, you know, cosmopolitan, let's say, they, they consume some food from local sources, but they also import food from other sources. Now they experience that exact same shock, that flood, that, uh, that drought, that fire, what have you, that tornado. Uh, how do they respond? Well, they, they can now, you know, increase their imports of other foods. They can uh, go on that global market, uh, buy their foods, because the good news is, uh, you're buying from uh, food from far away, that other location is less likely to have been affected by the same adverse shock that you experienced. And, you know, particularly in, in global markets, that's certainly true. And so the further you get away from somebody geographically, the less likely they are to suffer from the same geographic weather shock that you have. So, you know, I think it's just, you know, for me, intuitive to think that uh, if you're trading with people far away from you, it's, a, it's actually a way of reducing your risk from these kinds of weather events. Um, and so it's actually in a world where we're, we're trading a lot with one another, we're, we're more resilient than we would be otherwise. And, and trade acts as a form of insurance against these local weather shocks that we would experience otherwise. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at Real Agriculture. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. 
Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Today, mainly sunny, but there is local smoke. The high, 18 today, the low, plus 3. Tomorrow, sunny with local smoke, the high, 17. Clear in the evening for Saturday, the low, plus 1. Sunday, partly cloudy, the high 18, the low plus 2. Monday, partly cloudy, the high 13, the low plus 2. Tuesday, partly cloudy, the high 11, 60% chance of evening showers. Tuesday, the low plus 4. Wednesday, periods of rain, the high 9, the low 4. Thursday, cloudy, 60% chance of showers, the high 7 degrees. Normal high for this date is 13, the normal low minus 1. The sun rose at 7.10 this morning. It sets at 6.22 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot is Weyburn at 16.4 degrees. The cold spot up north Uranium City at 7. Estevan is 16, Saskatoon 14, Swift Current 12. Weyburn once again the hot spot at 16.4, Yorkton 12. Smoky in Regina, 14, that's 57 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the south, southeast at 13. Humidity is 63%, the barometer falling 101.8. Smoke in Moose Jaw, 15. Winds are from the south at 15. Once again, Regina, smoke and 14, that's 57 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. Get out to an early start on weed control in next year's canola and lentil crop using Group 3 Edge Microactive from Gowan Canada this fall. Edge Microactive, maximize yields today and manage resistance for tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems, expect the best. Sunday, October 10th is World Porridge Day, and October 11th is Canadian Thanksgiving. Oat bids hit $7 a bushel in recent weeks and are climbing towards $8. Scott Shields is procurement manager at Grain Millers in Yorkton. It definitely is a record for conventional oat prices. It's much more traditionally associated with organic oats. Uh, lately, with the, with the short crop, uh, prices have been strengthening. But the, the big push and, and why we started to see and hear some numbers in that $7 plus range this week was that there were a couple of, uh, of land companies that were desperately in need of oats that sell trains to ship to a couple of different mills in the U.S. Um, fortunately for us, it wasn't us, but, uh, but definitely with those prices out there in the competitive market, we've got to start looking at, at numbers like that ourselves probably in the near future. Uh, we haven't quite got there yet, but um, these, even if they are only for short bursts, if we see numbers like $7, it uh, gets definitely getting the farmer's interest, and, and that's kind of the bar that's been set now, I think. Shield says this year's drought is the main cause of the record prices for oats. Definitely. Uh, I mean, it's probably 95% of it. The other 5% is that demand hasn't has not waned one bit since we've uh, started into this smaller harvest. The combination of the smaller supply and, and a 
somewhat still increasing demand is going to keep the pressure to keep these prices high. And I think here in the next three, four weeks, we're going to see new crop prices that are going to come out. And while I don't think they're going to be at this level, they're definitely going to be at record levels uh, for new crop contracting as well. Shield says the oats harvest is virtually all done with yields about 60% of normal in Saskatchewan. He says oat quality is good. Yeah, it's it's better than we were expecting. Right off the bat, we saw really light oats, but we're and we're still seeing lighter than normal test weights, but uh, we are finding that we are going to be able to work with a lot of the oats that are out there, uh, which is a, is a benefit to us and the producer, obviously. Um, if, there, if your oats could fit into the milling category, the price is definitely um, a lot better than the feed market is. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll work with guys. We tell producers, you know, make sure you get us good samples. We'll, we'll work with everything we can. Shields doesn't see any drop in demand in the short term. He was asked about the possibility of North American imports of oats from Europe. I don't know that we're at that price level yet, but we're definitely at a supply level where companies we know are are uh, actively importing uh, Scandinavian uh, oats out of Eastern Europe and like the Ukraine. They produce a fair bit of oats. Um, we're we've been hearing lots of that, and uh, it's it's gone beyond just being a rumor. Um, there, of course, always is a top price point where they'll force the, the imports to happen, but they're going to happen this year, I think, regardless. If, if you just have that short of a crop and, and that much of an increase in demand. So, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at, um, you know, our, our U.S. mills are, are in pretty good shape at this point, so I don't know that it'll be us, but definitely there are millers that are out there doing it. Scott Shields is with Grain Millers in Yorkton. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service, ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. Many people will be enjoying Thanksgiving turkey dinners this weekend. For the more experienced cooks and chefs, preparing the holiday meal is something they've done on many occasions. However, for first-timers, the turkey can be one of the more challenging and even intimidating dishes to prepare and cook. For the past 40 years, the Turkey Talk toll-free phone line to answer any and all questions. Carol Miller has been answering those calls for 37 years. People that always went to Grandma's house or Aunt Marge's house to have turkey and maybe brought the, the pumpkin pie or a salad, suddenly was faced with having to cook a turkey for their immediate family. So we did talk to a lot of first-time cooks last year, and I expect some of that will still be around this year. So we're glad that we're here to help those people, you know, step by step and, and even send them to the website where they can watch on how to carve a turkey. Miller says the first thing you need to do is decide on how big a turkey is required. So what you really want is about a pound and a half of turkey per person. And that will give you a generous serving. It'll also give you some leftovers. But don't forget, you can't leave them in the refrigerator for decades. You really need to use them in the, in the first three days after you cook the turkey. If it's way more than you can use, it goes really well up into the freezer. Put it in recipe size containers. 
and then you've got a meal in December, you know, that you don't have to deal with, a simple meal that you can throw some turkey in a, in a soup or, or in a casserole dish. Miller says the most common question is, how do you thaw the turkey and how long does it take? So what you do is fill your thing up with cold water, leave the turkey in its bag. It takes a half an hour for every pound of turkey, and you really need to change that water every hour. So that's a lot more intensive. So buy it early, let it thaw in your refrigerator after it's completely thawed. You actually have another three to four days before you have to use it, so think ahead. And before you serve the turkey, make sure to take the meat's temperature. Make sure you have a good working thermometer. You're looking for those safe end temperatures that are not only for your health benefit, but also so that the turkey is tender and moist and juicy, that you don't over or undercook it. And if you're in trouble, just call 1-800-BUTTERBALL. We'll be there, ready to help. Canadians can head to butterball.ca for the best tips in safely handling your bird. You can try out some different methods of cooking it. And they've got some great ideas for leftovers as well. And if you're having trouble during the cooking process, you can always call 1-800-BUTTERBALL to get some help from a real person in real time. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. With new inventory arriving daily, they'll find a vehicle that fits your agriculture lifestyle. Proudly serving southern Saskatchewan for over 60 years. See Nelson GM today. And Western Ag Professional Agronomy. If you want to make cropping decisions with confidence, visit growmoreprofit.com. Grain prices were mixed in early trading. Viterra prices for canola rose 380 at 904.52. Oats gained $9 at 445.53. Number one red spring wheat fell 81 cents at 403.66. The rest were unchanged. Durham, 682.53. Feed barley, 324.65. Flax, 1232.41. Lentils, 1036.50. Yellow peas, 544.89. Feed wheat, 261.65. On the Minneapolis Exchange this morning, hard red spring wheat for December rose three and three quarter cents at 9.46 a bushel. It's the Livestock Reports on the Source 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. Now the latest quotes. This is Grant Barnett with the Market Report. Heartland Livestock here in Moosha, 2611 at our pre-sorted sale here on Tuesday. These top quality calves, they're selling barely steady. The plain to medium calves were on a bit of a lower trend. The cow market, it's definitely lower with a mountain of them wanting to show up all across western Canada. The good cows, 68 to 72. The top cow on Thursday was 74 and 50. Medium cows from 58 to 68 the good bulls sold fully steady we got a 2500 reds and blacks here for thursday october 14th here's what happened on tuesday the lasotas out of chaplain they sold 89 semental cross steers 541 at 221 the 589 tans at 222 and the big 780 weight steers they topped out at 207 346 weight tan heifers at 224 and 50 93 tan heifers 482 they bring two dollars and 13 cents. 99 red and black hair first 488 at a dollar 87 and a quarter. 590 weight tans at 192 and a quarter. This is Grant Barnett reporting. Let's have one great afternoon. Now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. Ham sold 6200 hogs Thursday, 
selling a range of 207 to 238 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 4,000 head, selling a range of 205 to 237 per CKG. 100 index hug prices for the week ending Saturday, October 9th are Ole West 2020 contract, 212.20, Ole West 2021 contract, 234 even, Maple Leaf Sig 4, 208.34, Hams Cash, 206.34, Thunder Creek Brickle, 207.30, High Life Cash, 221.28, and High Life Contract, $236.75 per CKG. Hemp's cash out price today is mixed, and four contract prices opened higher this morning. On Thursday, the Canadian dollar is up 35 basis points, with a daily exchange rate at 1.2558. The Canadian dollar is currently trading 80.09 cents U.S. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by the Prairie Co-op Grow Team, fueling farms, feeding families in Cupar, Ituna, Lipton, and Strasburg. And brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. The Saskatchewan government says the latest StatsCan numbers show continued strong job growth in the province. In the past year, Saskatchewan's unemployment rate fell to 6.3% from 7.1% and is below the national average of 6.9%. Saskatchewan gained 11,500 jobs in September, compared to the same period last year, up 2%. Month-to-month employment rose 5,300. Off-reserve Aboriginal employment was up 7,000 jobs, or 13%. Major gains were reported in wholesale and retail trade, healthcare, and manufacturing. The urban cutting for Saskatchewan's first utility-scale solar facility was held this morning southeast of Swift Current. The Highfield Solar Facility is now producing up to 10 megawatts of clean renewable power for about 2,500 homes. SAS Power Minister Don Morgan says the project is part of the province's plan to achieve net-zero emissions from power production by the year 2050. Highfield is the first of four 10-megawatt solar power facilities to be added to the province's power grid in the next two years. These, along with 20 megawatts of generating capacity through the Power Generation Partner Program, will add 60 megawatts of solar power in coming years. Saturn Power of Ontario owns and operates the system. On the markets, the TSX is up 34 points at 20,451. The Dow has gained 14 points at 34,769. Oil is up 98 cents at 79.28 a barrel. The Canadian dollar has risen 48 one-hundredths of a cent at 80.15 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide.